Welcome to Industrial Theory with Carrie Siggins. In this podcast, we talk with leaders and doers throughout the industrial cleaning industry who are changing the way we think about cleaning the world. I'm your host, Carrie Siggins. Welcome to Industrial Theory. I'm your host, Carrie Siggins, and I'm excited to be here today with my guest, Peter Wright. I've had the pleasure of working with Peter for over the past 10 years in his role as the Association Manager for the WJTA. Peter had really big shoes to fill, for those of you who remember Ken Carroll uh, and when he was the association manager for uh, the WJTA all those years ago. Um, And Peter has done an outstanding job filling those shoes and really helping the board of directors grow uh, the organization, especially the expo and conference. Um, And as a WJTA board member, I rely heavily on Peter to help me organize all the things I'm involved with which includes the Global Industrial Cleaning Coalition, which is the GICC, and the Education Committee for the Expo and Conference. So thanks for being on the show, Peter. I'm really glad to have you here. Thanks, this is gonna be great. All right, so a lot of people don't understand how the WJTA is managed. So can you provide an overview of what Bierenbaum and Associates does and your role as the WJTA's association manager? Definitely, I think the association management model that we use is a little bit foreign to a lot of people. So I actually work for a small firm called Bierenbaum & Associates, and we are a management consulting company that is partnered with a couple of small or medium-sized association clients. So what we do is to provide services ranging from administrative back office to support on event management, certification, education, and even input into strategic planning and all that. So one of the benefits of working with companies like ours is that associations are able to pivot very quickly based on their needs. So if they need to reallocate staff, reduce or increase staff, they can do that very rapidly. And so with, you know, WJTA, we've seen the COVID pandemic, the cancellation of the expo, and we pivoted heavily into the rollout of our training program and, and into looking at some digital strategies as well. Yeah, I think that it's been really helpful being able to rely on the broad expertise that you have within the organization, because to do all the things that you do, you can get economies of scale because you can do that for several different associations where a small organization like the WJTA to manage all of our marketing and to manage the training program and to manage the expo, you know, we would have to uh, have a much larger staff, whereas now we don't have any. So uh, it uh, it definitely gives associations a much broader reach um, and a lot more capability to be able to partner with somebody who who can bring that to the table. So I think that's one of the things that I valued the most about uh, Beer and Bomb and Associates managing the WJTA. Yeah, yeah and I think the I think the other piece to that is your. Uh, groups like this are less reliant on third parties to manage trade shows, so we can keep really well aligned with the association's mission. Yeah, yeah, I think that makes total sense. All right, and so tell us a little bit about what your role is as the WJTA's association manager. What do you do for the WJTA? So like you touched on, it's a um, pretty multifaceted role. Between myself and Leanne Hampton in our office, we're pretty much the point people for any of the WJTA's activities. So in my role, it's a lot of focus on the trade show. So directing that, lining up exhibitors and negotiating contracts. But then in addition to that, I help out facilitating committee meetings, the um, safety committee reviews, as well as handling websites, you know, anything else really, just the bits and pieces that need to get done to help the association function. 
Yeah, and kind of it's like kind of like herding cats, I'm sure. <laughs> you don't have to answer that. That's okay. <laughs> All right. So you've been with the organization for ten years now, and you came with no experience in our industry. So, what's the biggest change that you've seen the WJTA go through over the past decade, and what has surprised you the most? I think learning about the water jet technology industry and industrial cleaning has been really eye-opening since I didn't have any exposure to that whatsoever. And most of the people I talk to are kind of in the same boat. It's it's an industry that you kind of get into and then you learn about once you're there. You know, then the the main um, the main changes I've seen for the WJTA, the, the big trends over 10 years, I think the growth of the vacuum truck side of the organization, the manufacturers and the contractors with that service line. And then the other, um, the other trend we've seen, obviously, is the increased usage and sophistication of the automation technology and robotics on the water blast side. So, you know, the association supported that through the trade show and through all of our, all of our other mediums and trying to help keep our members informed of whatever trends are going on in the industry. No, I, I agree with you on the automation piece. It's been really interesting you know, sitting on the board for 10 years now, almost 10 years now, and uh, also being part of that movement and just seeing how we've overcome the resistance to it. So um, it's been a really, I think, positive and inspiring. It's been positive and inspiring to be part of it because I think it's making a really big impact on our industry. Yeah. And I think just so many different contractors and asset owners who are getting interested in this of and of all sizes. Even some of the small plants and facilities are looking really, really heavily at this. Whereas when I started, I don't I don't know how true this is. Maybe this is you'd have a perspective, but my impression when I started was that it was really the large contractors, either the large contractors who had the resources or really small or very niche contractors who were employing robotics for industrial cleaning. Yeah, I would totally agree with you. Um, I think it was the big contractors who really paved the way for this. Um, very few manufacturers were doing it, you know, b- back 10 years ago. Uh, and so I think the combination of, you know, the few options on the market and and the big contractors having the, the capital to invest in it has really started to shift. But it didn't really start to happen until we got the asset owners involved because they're the ones who are really driving all of this. And I think... Now you're seeing uh, contractors of all of all sizes really giving into this market. And to your point about the specialized contractors, there was definitely some of those small, really niche contractors that were doing it. And automation and having more access to it um, has allowed some of these other, you know, what we used to be considered mom and pop type organizations, I think really make a play um, in the market. And so it's absolutely changed the competitive landscape from what it looked like 10 years ago to today. Yeah, very much so. How about the training and certification? So you're heavily involved with that. And uh, and that's been something that we've been working on for quite some time. Maybe talk a little bit about the evolution of that and you know how we're generating excitement about it throughout the industry as an organization. Yeah, I think that's been one of the most exciting developments over the last year has been the full-scale launch of that training program within the U.S. So we're, we're offering training and certification for entry-level hydroblast contractors on manual water blasting techniques. And I think, you know, I think it's so important because it serves this need in the industry for workforce development pathways. Contractors just can't keep bearing the expense of having to retrain the same people as they bounce between companies. And they also have the burden of keeping their materials up to date. 
with our program, you know, we're planning to update this as frequently as possible. And so whether it's automation or whether it's safe practices or changes to our to our Orange Book guidelines, we'll be able to propagate those changes really, really quickly through the industry once everybody's trained up and engaged in the certification program. Yeah, that's great. And what about phase two? So manual is um, one aspect and one that, that we're moving away from as an industry. What's the plan to add um, the hands-free equipment and, and more robotics equipment in the future? I think it'll it'll definitely need to happen. The program we have now, the computer-based program that we're offering, the foundational training, goes through the Orange Book guidelines. So it does provide instruction on some of the, I don't want to say rules, some of the WJTA guidelines around the use of automation. I think as that continues to take hold, there'll be a significant demand for it. And the key to the automation is just making sure that it's universal and not um, equipment specific because like Stone Age or Pineman or, you know, any of these other OEMs are going to provide instruction on their equipment. It's not really the WJTA's role to instruct you on how to do something. No, no, it definitely is just how to do it safely. Um, and I agree that's the challenge because it's a lot easier when it's a hose and a nozzle um, uh, and all of a sudden you have big expensive equipment and it, it changes, uh, you know, the, how the training program needs to be structured. So I completely agree with you having a very specific focus on how do you do this stuff safely, not how do you run this equipment will be really key for the WJTA to, um, to figure out as the program uh, evolves. Yeah, so I'm sure the I'm sure the automation piece will be addressed as well as vacuum operator certifications and potentially other industrial crafts. You know, we see all those in the pipeline, yeah. and there's there's a lot of interest in facilities, especially on the vacuum side, in having these operators certified and uniform training. That's great. It seems like there's contractor buy-in. I've had uh, a couple of our customers email me and say, hey, I'm really excited I'm, uh, to sign up for the, to be the uh, field verified trainer. And uh, I know we just did a two-day session uh, to do a train the trainer type program. So I think that's really exciting that we have uh, broad exposure and excitement around the industry and people are saying, I want to be part of this. It's been surprising to me. I mean, it's been really, really exciting because the one thing we don't want to is we don't want the contractors to look at this and just see it as another cost layered on their existing training programs because it's really, really not that. I mean, this this is being driven by the contractors themselves with significant support from the asset owners and from the manufacturers. We see this as providing tremendous value to the contractors. And then we've seen a lot of support from the asset owners as well. We're involved in a collaboration with the Houston Business Roundtable and a number of the plants in the Houston market are very, very interested in having their operators certified. Yeah, I think uh, I think that's the key, being able to get this program in front of the asset owners and to the right people um, at those types of facilities um, is going to be critical. And that's why I'm glad that the, the Houston Business Roundtable uh, started this whole task force, so to speak, around um, water jetting, uh, high pressure water jetting, safety training, and, and automation. I think it will definitely help the program pro proliferate through 
the industry faster, mm-hmm. which is what contractors want, right? They need to know what do I need? What, what kind of requirements does a plant have? And if every plant has the same one, it's really easy. It's difficult when there's multiple, uh, multiple training certifications or if a plant has its own particular requirements. And so being able to standardize it, I think will be a really big benefit to you know, the whole industry, but particularly to contractors who are spending so much money trying to train people. Right. Yeah. All right. Let's jump into the expo uh, since that's what this is about to talk a little bit about all the cool things that we're doing despite the expo being canceled. So in June, the board made the decision to uh, to forego holding the expo this year uh, due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, and I'm sure this is bittersweet for you. So can you tell us your thoughts on this cancellation? It is. It really is. Yeah. It's disappointing to see the cancellation in evaluating the COVID pandemic and the fallout from it, it was clear that it was the right decision. It was unavoidable. But after the 2019 conference, we expanded the educational program. We had programs for asset owners specifically. Um, we had a lot of a lot of positive interest and and some real momentum. I felt heading into 2020. So, you know, losing that is is very disappointing. Mm-hmm. But with that being said, because the board made this decision in in late May whereas a lot of other shows were forced to postpone that until closer to the show. You know, I think by moving aggressively, making the cancellation decision, we've, we've really eliminated a lot of the uncertainty for our members. And we've also allowed the association to pivot towards training and towards digital education and other initiatives and not have to worry about, you know, will we or won't we hold the trade show? Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad that we made the decision earlier too. It was such a tough one, right? The thing that I've learned the most out of this is that there is no right or wrong answer. Answers are both wrong and right at the same time. Uh, and, and that was the hard one about this. So, you know, this is such a, a, a great thing for our industry. It drives uh, revenue for many of the, uh, the exhibitors that go to it. It gives, you know, people in the industry, contractors and plants, the opportunity to see what um, kind of new equipment is and network and all of those things that are so awful to for to have to forego with this, but you know the health and well-being of um, all of the attendees is the utmost priority. So you know balancing making those decisions is is a really tough one. And you know with what's happening now, I feel like we absolutely 100% made the right call. But back in May, it was hard. We didn't know what was going to happen, right? So trying to you know pick up your your crystal ball, which is filled with COVID, and you have no idea. <laughs> so um, so I, I definitely hear you on the the disappointing, um, but knowing that it was it was the right call. So. Uh, fingers crossed for 2021. Yeah. 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 Like you said, the crystal ball is, uh, it's pretty foggy. It so is. Who, who knows fall 2021, but you know, stay optimistic. I think, um, there's so much pent up demand for it. I think people are going to be so interested in getting back to normal. Yeah. I agree all right so let's talk a little bit about how we're carrying some of that momentum um from last year's show into our digital training and i completely agree with you i was so excited about the content that we provided uh to both uh contractors and oems um but particularly with the asset owner track i felt like we really gained some momentum and uh, i was excited to be building on top of it but now that's changed, so we've got to bring our educational content to people virtually. So can you tell us a little bit about these webinars and explain the format? Sure. So we've 
recently announced a free webinar series that doesn't entirely replace the educational program, but it helps the association kind of continue its mission of, of providing resources to the members in the industry. So the webinars we're doing are going to be free to anybody in the industry. They're going to be about 30 minutes long with maybe 15 minutes of Q&A. And so I think this format is really good for the industry because it, it provides enough depth on the topic and enough interaction without really becoming burdensome time-wise. And who, who are we getting to do these webinars? Are they going to be professional speakers or are they going to be people from within the industry? It'll be industry speakers. Um, you know, we've tried to identify people who have really broad knowledge as well as strong presentation skills. You can bring a lot to the table. So we're starting with a two-part series on turnarounds. We're going to look at it from two different aspects. So the first part, uh, Bill Holiday from Jet Tech is going to pre present on strategies to increase tool time and decrease downtime with proper um, job planning within the turnaround. And, you know, you know Bill well. He's got tons and tons of experience on the contractor side. Now he works as a manufacturer, but really, um, really sharp and a good communicator. And then the second part of that series is going to be presented by Bradley Coble with uh, Covestro. And Bradley looks at risk mitigation in um, turnaround. So he looks at the safety side and that's going to dig into COVID precautions as well. I think that's going to disrupt some aspects. It's going to be interesting to see how, you know, how they're looking at the COVID um, piece. And when are those? Those are both scheduled for August. Is that correct? Yeah, it's mid-August. Those are two weeks apart. So the first is Thursday the 13th, and then the second one is two weeks later on the 27th. And then what's great about these is we'll record these. So anybody who registers is going to have access to these for um, about a month afterwards. And then after that, we'll have these archived for members moving forward. So it's a, it's a really cool resource for members who are going to be able to access this on demand. Yeah, I'm looking forward to these. I think uh, they're going to be a great resource, and we're going to learn a lot about how to deliver useful webinars uh, to our members through this. So I expect that we'll, we'll uh, definitely be able to tweak and, and, and gain some more momentum on top of our education ses sessions with, uh, with this. So tell me a little bit about the, um, the other sessions that are planned for later in the year. What kind of topics are we going to be presenting on? We're going to have a presentation on confined space entry safety, which, you know, is always super important topic. We'll have a presentation on field leadership, um, specifically looking at managing hydroblast operators, which in this ties into, we were talking about workforce development earlier. So this kind of offers a resource in, in that area. And then finally, we have a presentation on grounding and bonding vacuum trucks. This is one we've done um, for the last few years at the expo, taking a look at different aspects of electrical safety. And it continues to be really, um, really well received and a topic of a lot of interest for contractors and um, plant owners. I like the mix. I think the mix is going to be good. There's something for everybody, whether it's turnaround planning, the workforce management, something along with the vacuum, with vacuum truck, you know, heavy load removal and confined space, of course, is, is such a hot topic. You know, I think everybody knows about Dow's mission to have no confined space entry by, by 2025 and, and they're marching along trying to make that happen. And it is, I think, you know, next to how do we clean exchangers, heat exchangers faster, better and, uh, and collect data doing that. The next thing is really confined space entry. So I think these will all be really fantastic topics and I'm looking forward to being part of uh, putting them on with you. 
For sure. It's, it's going to be great. And like you said, we're going to learn a lot. And, you know, hopefully 2021, hopefully we can continue this if it's well received. And, you know, even look at 2021 Expo, do we have some kind of a kind of a hybrid strategy? Do we try to broadcast those sessions more broadly? I think it I think it opens up a lot of possibilities for the association. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure that if uh, if these prove to be successful and we can gather feedback from the attendees and just continue to make them better, there'll be all kinds of things that we can do with it. So I'm looking forward to what the future is going to bring on it as well. Well, and then this brings us to the, the million dollar question. And I know you touched on it a little bit before, but you know, what do you really think is going to happen next year with uh, the conference next year? <laughs> Come on, shake up that crystal ball that you have and make it a problem. Tell me what. <laughs> yeah, based, based on my rock solid uh, COVID forecasts. <laughs> so I think we're certainly expecting to hold the 2021 Expo. I think we'll stay optimistic about the situation becoming more manageable. Even if COVID is still an issue, I think by 2021, we should be in a much better place to manage it in the United States. So I think, yeah, I think even with the COVID pandemic potentially ongoing, but at a lower level, it'll still be very manageable. There are a lot of good practices and resources in the events industry for how to sanitize and how to socially distance and manage business events safely. The good thing for us at the tail end of these years that uh, trade shows will be happening in Asia, they'll be happening in Europe. So we'll, we'll learn from them. So the safety of our participants is obviously the critical factor, but really um, what I'm looking at most is potential attendance and the ability of the different vendors to participate based on travel restrictions or, you know, the economic repercussions or just the general uncertainty. So I think we'll, we'll be optimistic. We'll work really hard at it, promote it, and um, just have to stay, stay pretty creative in how we put on the event. I think that's good. And I know that uh, that getting all of that valuable feedback from our members uh, with the survey that we did this spring to help us make the decision was really helpful. And I think we can do that again and, and get a good sense with about, you know, what people are feeling about safety and, and, and well-being as well as the financial impact of it all. So I'm, I agree with you. We're going to, we're going to know a lot more as, uh, as each month passes by with this. So. I'm keeping yeah. my fingers crossed too. I, I want to <laughs> 2021. Yeah, I think um, I think after a year off, there's just gonna be so much so much demand pent up, and I mean the the um, contractors, the salespeople, they all want to connect and they all want to be able to finally revisit things in person. You can do so much over Zoom and over over the phone, but there's really something special about being able to connect in person and have that spontaneous interactions. Yep, absolutely. I agree with you completely. All right, so let's pivot uh, one last time before we wrap things up. Uh, the WJTA is always looking for new members. Why do you think everyone in our industry should be a member? Well, I think with some of the long-term trends we've talked about in the industry towards automation and towards changes in, in sort of the relationships between contractors and asset owners, I think with the amount of change that's going to happen within this industry, it's super important to be plugged into any industry trends and to have access to any news and resources that you can get your hands on. What's key to the, anybody in the industry, whether it's a contractor, an OEM, an asset owner, is to, to have this organizational knowledge around industrial cleaning. And that's, 
that's something that all of WJTA's resources, the webinars, you know, the the Jet News newsletter that we put out, it all just helps contribute to to developing a broad understanding of our industry. So that's that's kind of the value proposition. But I think the real the real reason is just WJTA's mission of elevating these water jetting and industrial cleaning crafts. We need this to be more highly valued within plants and facilities and continuing to drive that message to asset owners, support our members however we can. I think that's really the key and and anybody in this industry should want to be a part of that. I agree with you completely. And some of the things that we've done, especially in the, in the recent years with the new training and certification program and redoing our safety uh, guideline uh, handbooks and starting the uh, GICC where that is heavily influenced by asset owners uh, trying to standardize uh, best practices and, and guidelines across all of their facilities. All of those things have, uh, I think, brought tremendous value to our members and has really elevated the WJTA's um, you know, global, per, the perception of the WJTA globally as, you know, being forward thinking and, and you know, even if we're behind the, uh, behind the times a little bit with our training program, you know, we can be there, I think, in a relatively short period of time if there's broad adoption. So I, I agree with you completely. I think everybody should be involved. Have a seat at the table, stay in the know. And the only way to affect change is to be part of it, is to opt in. And we give people so many ways to opt in and participate. Yeah, that's a that's a great point on the training program and the global piece. I mean, because we can, the training program, once we have the framework, we can ratchet that up quickly depending on the needs of the industry. How can people interested in getting involved with the WJTA do so? The first step is to just go to our website. You can sign up for email updates or connect with us on social media to stay plugged into what the association's doing. But the main way would be to join as a member. You can do that easily online and then... Once you're a member, you'll have access to all of our resources. Just continue to take advantage of everything that we can offer. Stay connected with the board members like Carrie or with um, myself and Leanne in the office. And um, we'd like to have you do as much as you can to support the certification program, to support the webinars we're doing, to help talk about our industry to your asset owner customers or contacts, and just you know help us grow this, help us continue this mission. Yeah, we let it. We really are all in this together. That's for sure. In so many ways, than one, no more than one. <laughs> all right. So I always wrap things up by asking, "What's one nugget of goodness you'd like to leave our listeners with?" What's yours? So I think the main thing. I mean, we've just we've talked about all of the um, effects from the COVID pandemic, and you know how this affected WJTA and everything the trends in our industry. I think, you know, the main thing from my perspective is just the importance of staying connected, taking advantage of whatever resources you can get your hands on, and then just plan as best you can, stay ahead of the curve and be ready to adapt. I love that. That is such great advice, not just for the WJTA, but anything in life. Some life <laughs> advice. <laughs> All right. Is there anything else you'd like to add? I think that, I think that does it. I appreciate you having me on and, giving us the opportunity to talk through um, all this stuff. It's um, a lot of exciting trends for WJTA and the rest of the year should be good, good for us. Good, great. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, you do a great job for the WJTA and uh, I share your enthusiasm for the future and uh, I look forward to supporting you with these uh, webinars and hopefully a lot more to come.
Thank you all for listening. We hope you appreciate it. We're always open for ideas. So uh, if you would like to hear from somebody in the industry or about a particular topic, you can email me at carrie.siggins at stoneagetools.com.